If you would turn uh, to Psalm 116, and it's verses 1 through 4. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. And tonight's sermon text is in the book of Acts, chapter 16. I'll be reading verses 25 through 34. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself. For we are all here. And the jailers and the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into the house and set food before him. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord, in your kindness and in your mercy, we ask in these moments ahead of us that you would do, Lord, the thing that only you can do. Lord, it is the thing that we must have you do because we are not able to do it. That's by the power of your spirit that you would shine light on these words that are in your word. You shine light on the dark places in our hearts where the light needs to be shown. Lord, would you be so kind to use these words to great effect in our hearts and in our souls. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. A, a dark, dank, damp, dingy prison cell is a very strange place for singing. But Jesus Christ is the kind of Savior who makes it possible for joy to be found in any and every circumstance. That's what we learned and heard together last week. So for this week, the second part of our sermons on this passage in particular, I wanna, I wanna work that sentence a slightly different way. And I'll say it like this. A dark and dingy, dank Roman 
first century prison cell might be a strange place for singing, but it is the exact right kind of place for Christian witness. Because our Savior Jesus works in such a way that our joy in the midst of suffering becomes a means, a means by which Christ gives grace to others. See, when we're in the dark and dingy, difficult places, it's, it's our joy in those places. And remember, we said last week that Christian joy is not what we think it is. It's not just happy thoughts. It's, it's the deeper settledness because Christ is ours. And it's our joy in those difficult and dark places that our Lord Jesus often uses as a means of his grace for others. It's really important that we know this. You see, if you've ever been in a dark place, Paul and Silas are in this dark prison cell. They've been beaten and bruised. But yet they're praying and they're singing and they're singing and they're praying. If you've ever been in a dark place like that, you know it's, it's this deep instinct you feel. It's common to humankind. When you're in a dark place, there's this deep instinct that you feel that you just want it to mean something. You don't want it to be wasted. You want it somehow to be redemptive. And I think this Paul and Silas story, this second part, shows us that the Spirit very much works that way. It's our joy in the dark places that becomes a means of his grace to others. I've said that sentence like two or three times now because that is the main thing I hope you hear tonight. Our joy in the dark places is often used by our Lord as a means of his grace for others. So Paul and Silas, they're they're beaten and bruised. They're singing And then God goes to work. Would you look with me at verse 26? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, and they were singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Luke wants to make the point, an emphatic point, that as Paul and Silas were singing and praying and praying and singing, as we saw last week, the other prisoners are paying attention. They're noticing. They're listening. Verse 26, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were un fastened as is often the case in the book of acts it's when god's people are in trouble it's in those places that god suddenly moves and in this case he moves in a dramatic way 
Um, An earthquake comes. Now, in the ancient world, earthquakes were often understood to be some sort of sign of divine, um, some sort of divine action, some sort of divine initiation. Now, the question was always, well, what deity was sending this kind of earthquake, and, and what does it mean? But earthquakes, even in the pages of the scriptures, are about God moving to do something, to change something, and that's what we see here. Our Lord, by his power, causes an earthquake to come such a way that the foundations of the prison were shaken, all the doors are broken open, and everyone's bonds are fastened. This just doesn't seem to be a typical earthquake. It's, it shakes in such a way that doors open and bonds come, un, come undone. In other words, it's the Lord's action and activity. But it's interesting because Luke here doesn't now just tell a bunch of information about this earthquake because it was a really cool thing. Instead, the story turns to what Paul and Silas do. It's really interesting because they've been praying and they've been singing. They've likely been praying and singing for deliverance of some kind, and they get deliverance. And it's at that moment we expect them to leave the jail and run. But they don't. Look at verse 27. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. If you remember, there's there's another time in the story of Acts when prisoners escape and the, the, the jailers are held accountable and they are put to death because of the escape. Maybe it's, a, it's an honor thing. Maybe it's a fear thing. But this jailer thinks his life is now over because these prisoners have escaped. But what we find is that Paul and Silas respond in an interesting way. They don't escape, and here's what happens next. Verse 28, but Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourselves. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. See, this jailer sees Paul and Silas lay down themselves for his good. They see Christian witness. This jailer rushes in, and he sees Paul and Silas Loving their enemies, blessing those who had persecuted them. In other words, they see Christian witness. They see Paul and Silas acting in that moment in such a way that that points to something bigger than themselves. It's a good way to understand the concept of Christian witness. And and when this happens, of course, this probably goes without saying, but but, but they, they get this model of how to act in this moment, how to love, how to lay themselves aside, how to bless when they're being harmed. Of course, they get that picture from Jesus himself. Remember, it was Jesus who, when he's on the cross, cries out to the Father, Father, forgive them because they don't even know what they're doing. They see 
They see Christ's self-giving. They see Jesus' sacrifice. They see him blessing those who were cursing him. The jailer sees this and he understands it to be a divine visitation. To see this earthquake happen that loosens these prisoners was crazy enough, but to now see these prisoners stay in order to give themselves for him. See, that's something one step wilder, isn't it? It's the real miracle of the story. And the jailer gets it, verse 29. And the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. Paul and Silas, in this moment, have the opportunity to just announce and proclaim in the simplest form the truth of the gospel. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Now, every biblical studies resource that you, that you can know of, every commentary on ancient books of the Bible, um, every resource you've ever found on, on biblical languages, every theological resource, every book of systematic theology, everything in Christian tradition is just a sort of elaboration on that simple sentence. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You'll be rescued. You'll be redeemed. You'll be forgiven. You'll be made new. You'll be all the other things that we could spend the rest of our time together inexhaustibly declaring of the riches of Jesus. Paul and Silas get to proclaim, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. In other words, it's, it's their obedience to the call of Jesus to lay themselves down, to love their enemies, to bless those who curse them. It's, it's that It's that that becomes a means for them to get to proclaim the gospel. It gains for them what we might call a hearing for the gospel. And the result, if you look in verses 33 and 34, is that the jailer is transformed. In fact, go back to verse 30 with me. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved, you and your household. And then verse 32, And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, to all who were in his house. The idea is is they got to elaborate and just talk further about what it would really mean to know Jesus, to believe in him. Verse 33, Listen to the transformation. And he took them at the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. He was baptized at once, he and all of his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. It's interesting, this this jailer's life is transformed in such a way that he shows hospitality now to the people he had formerly imprisoned. He provides to them medical care. He provides to them lodging and food. It's just one of those strange things in the kingdom of God that we see all the time where everything ends up exactly upside down of what you might have thought. 
See, he has received the divine welcome, if you will, of the Lord Jesus. And then he displays the divine welcome of the Lord Jesus to the people who were formerly imprisoned. And I want you to notice something. Verse 26, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. So it begins with a kind of rejoicing and joy. And it ends in verse 34, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. We have a kind of rejoicing at the beginning. We have a rejoicing at the end. So that's called, for if you're interested, an inclusio. It's a fancy term, and when you read Bible stories, of, of it's, it's a point of emphasis. It's the, the, the narrator, the storyteller's way of showing you what's essential and important. And, and it's, just, it's just interesting, the upside-down nature of this. They go from prisoners at midnight to partying at midnight, rejoicing, celebrating. It's the kind of transformation that only God can do. The main thing I want you to see that I think Luke's, Luke wants us to see is the means. And the means is the obedient witness. The true depth of Christian joy that Paul and Silas are able to take hold of in this Difficult situation. That is the means. The means that God uses to bring grace to this jailer and his whole household. And it's just how our Lord tends to work. See, see, when you and I go through dark and difficult things, this is my experience pastorally from having had the opportunity to walk with people pastorally in some shape, form, or fashion for the last 18 years of my life. It's, it's my experience pastorally that we, we, tend to, we tend to think often of the ways that God uses difficulty to mold and shape us. But what might be underrated and not given quite as much attention is the way in which God uses our faithfulness, our taking hold of Jesus, our deeper settledness, knowing that Christ is ours, our witness in dark and difficult places. Perhaps we don't think enough, or perhaps it's a bit underrated, the way in which God uses that to mold and shape others. I can think of people in my own life who walked with Jesus with some semblance of Christian joy. They were faithful witnesses in dark and dingy and difficult places. And as I saw the way in which they honestly dealt with the difficulty, 
but took hold of Christ. On more than one occasion, I remember thinking, if they can be faithful to Christ in this, then I wonder if maybe I could too. There are people in this room who've shown me that kind of witness in pain and difficulty. See, there's a, a deep human instinct that our dark places mean something. And what I am telling you is that the Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of his spirit, uses those as a means to give grace to others. Now having said that, I want to speak to your heart. One, it's okay not to quite be there yet or be there quickly. It's okay. It's okay to sometimes be praying the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. We praise like, Lord, if there were any other way, can we take that way? It's okay to be there. In other words, the fact that God uses these things to give grace to others it's okay for that witness to come out slowly over time. You need not pressure yourself in the dark places to try to get it to mean something for another person very quickly. See, it's not meant to be a kind of making lemons out of lemonade truth. It's something deeper and harder one than that. It's, it's, this is still kind of one. It's not on you to try to make it happen. See, the whole point is the Spirit uses this to do His work. Like if you're going through a dark and difficult trial or you're in a dark and difficult place for any reason, it's not like you have to think to yourself, I wonder how on Thursday afternoon I can use this as a witness for somebody else. It's, 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 it's something that our Lord is committed to working through our lives over time. And it can be a long, long time. It's not on you. That's one. And then, and then secondly, you might be here tonight and you've perhaps been in a dark or difficult place. You know, maybe you're not imprisoned in a Roman jail cell or anything remotely as extreme or dramatic as that. But in your own way, you're in a dark and difficult place. And you might hear me saying, that our Lord uses it as a means to give his grace to others. And you might be thinking, great, 
I, I hope that that's true. I just don't know that I have the strength for it. I'm not sure that I have it in me to be Paul and Silas-like. I want, to hear, I want you to hear me say, that's okay too. And that is why we all, in light of a passage like this, look to Jesus. Yes, Jesus prays the prayer of Gethsemane in the garden, and he does get up, and he goes, and he endures the cross. And the scriptures tell us that he does this for the joy that is set before him. He does it, and he does it willingly. One of the most um, beautiful truths of the gospel, that we have union with this Lord Jesus. And so what that means is that anything Jesus has, you have. Anything that's true of Jesus is now, because you belong to him, true of you. The resources that Christ has, yours. The strength that Jesus has is yours. And his strength will always be made most perfect in your place of weakness. You see, in an upside-down kind of way, we're told that Jesus has made the way of the cross, the way of laying ourselves down, to be the very way of life. In other words, in our lives, there will be constant opportunities to go to the cross-like places. But we don't go to the cross-like places places without the very strength of Jesus to endure them. He gives his strength. He gives his grace. He gives his endurance. He is the one who provides all the things that he requires. Christ is yours. Let's pray together.